Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello and welcome to Inside the Cylinder, episode 112. I am your host, Matt Way, writer at Detroit Bad Boys. I am not... Joined by my normal co-host, David Fernandez, who's enjoying a much-earned week off. But I am joined by a special guest, site expert at Hoops Habit, and all-around Detroit Pistons Twitter legend, Duncan Smith. Duncan, thanks for joining us. How are you doing tonight? Hey, Matt. Uh, it is my pleasure. Uh, I'm, I'm doing really well. Uh, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to... Uh, it'd be nice to be talking to... David as well, along with you, but um, I'm very happy to be here talking to you. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Duncan. Um, you know, we were talking off air. We both recently got our second dose of the vaccine, little uh, to no uh, effects. So we encourage everyone to to do that if you're so inclined. Um, and we're, uh, we're going to talk some Pistons rebuild tonight. Um, you ready to do that? That sounds good to me. And as far as doing great, yeah, I got an extra hour or so of sleep and uh, felt felt pretty good after it. So uh, no complaints from that shot number two. Uh, but yeah, Pistons, uh, Pistons rebuild is definitely the topic of the day, I think. Uh, well, topic of the season, really. Absolutely. So we're, we're getting to the point in the season where the games just aren't very interesting outside of when Killian Hayes is in there, so so we thought it'd be a good time to take a, a broader perspective, look at the rebuild, how it's gone so far, what it might look like moving forward. Um, first, I wanted to talk about you know maybe the the elephant in the room, so to speak, which is the Pistons' draft pick. The Pistons are winning a lot more games than you might want to, from a pure lottery odds perspective. They're now a half game ahead of the Magic. Um, although they, they are only, a, I believe, a game behind the Timberwolves who are winning a bit more. Um, Duncan, do you see, do you have any problem with them winning? Um, and do you see anything that they can do to sort of combat that? Well, I think you've got like a, a team like Houston, for example, that is just like balls to the wall going for the tank. Um, you know, like that's tough to tough to get around um like they have uh you know some of the some of the lineups that they've fielded this season um have been pretty desolate um and the the pistons have at least a handful of guys that i think that they are hoping to to be like significant parts of their future you know all the rookies for example um you've got a guy like jeremy grant who is uh, simply too good to have on your team if you want to be um, a legitimate 
tank candidate, I think. You know, obviously, I would say that probably if you look at Minnesota, Carl Anthony Towns is a better player. Like, he would probably rank higher, um, like, on a, on a list of just, like, purely who, who is better. Um, but, you know, I, I think that the Pistons are um, less of a team that the bottom can really drop out of than, than they may have otherwise thought. They're a team that they just they play too hard to really be able to effectively tank. You know, um, like obviously, like fourth, fourth worst record in the NBA is, um, you know, as far as tanking goes, it's it's pretty effective. But you're just not going to get a lot of uh, like ten game losing streaks like you need uh, to to be able to tank the right way in in this NBA. You know, like the Thunder are on a fourteen game losing streak, and like they've basically benched everybody at least um, from time to time uh, over the last since the trade deadline, um, you know, Al Horford has been shut down a uh, healthy scratch for the season. Lou Dort is um, like in and out of the lineup and uh, he, you know, goes out and drops 30 whenever he plays. So obviously he's fine to go. Um, and like the Pistons, I don't think that they really have that like extra tank gear that they can shift to. Like um, I think that for this team in this city, uh, and the way they want to do this rebuild, I think that like shutting Jeremy Grant down entirely, like they did, like the Thunder gives Al Horford is out of the question. Um, like I, I think that between Dwayne Casey and uh, Troy Weaver, they want a team full of like hard workers and and guys that are like a maximum effort. And I don't know if um, if you know resting your best player for the final third of the season or whatever, like post trade deadline, uh, is really conducive to that sort of um, ethos that uh, that Weaver and, and Casey want for this team. Um, and like, they, they just don't have enough uh, quitters, so to speak, to, to really be able to go out and, um, you know, have a, have a 10 plus game losing streak. Like uh, you've seen what the Rockets had. What, what, did they break 20? I think they might've gotten very close to 20. Um, the Thunder are at 14 right now. The Magic are at six. Uh, like as you mentioned, the Timberwolves might kind of squeeze back into the um, like out of the out of the bottom three and into like a more reasonable record. So that's something to root for. But um, I think that the hallmarks of what we wanted to see in um, in a rebuild, I think that we've largely seen. Like you know, we wanted to see a team that would play really hard and lose a lot of games, and they're going to end up with like you know probably the fifth worst record or. or maybe even third or fourth worst record um, as far as like winning percentage goes in team history. Um, and they did it in the way that we wanted them to do it. And, you know, now it's just a matter of seeing where the ping pong balls fall. You know, I'm comfortable with the process you, you, without like really jettisoning all of your talent. Um, you really can't do better, I think. And they've, got, they've just got too many talented guys that they want to get reps together. So that's my, uh, my very short answer to that question. <laughs> Yeah, I I'm totally with you, Duncan. Um, from a personal personal perspective, it's it's tough for me to just cheer for losses. And frankly, I don't think it's something that you want to do with a young team, like you said, especially building a culture. You you just don't want to instill bad habits with your young players. You want them to even if you're losing to learn good lessons, you want the process to be right. You know, the the game they just won against the Hawks, the oldest player on the floor for, for most of the fourth quarter, if not all of the fourth quarter, I think was Hamadou Diallo. So it's it's not like they're 
they're playing their their veterans heavy minutes like we were seeing early in the year and I just I don't know what you do outside of just forfeiting games and um, that would certainly bring a a hefty fine from the league office I think. Yeah, it's not allowed. It's frowned upon in the uh, the post era. It's it's frowned upon heavily. Yes, it it certainly is. <laughs> um, so just looking at the the rebuilding in general, Duncan. You know, you and I and, and most others were very confused and critical of, of the, the offseason that Troy Weaver had. You know, he had that first night where they signed 10 centers or, or however many it was. Um, that obviously worked itself out. They paid Jeremy Grant and, and Mason Plumley a lot of money, and, and it, we were just kind of confused. But um, things have definitely changed a lot since then. So, Duncan, where are you at? in terms of your perspective on the Pistons rebuild and the, the job Troy Weaver's done thus far? From free agency night one to right now, I've done uh, pretty much a complete 180. Um, I, I went from thinking that Troy Weaver was a madman who should have the nuclear buttons taken away from him in the, the Pistons performance center um, to uh, really having a great deal of faith in the kind of vision that he has. Um, you know, the, the fact that like just about all the young guys have worked out as well or better than anybody could have hoped sure doesn't hurt. You know, I think the fact that, uh, you know, Isaiah Stewart is kind of branching into being that stretch four uh, in year one, um, stretch four or stretch five, you know, I mean, positional versatility is, is a good thing. So if, uh, um, if he can do it from, from both positions, so much the better. Um, but yeah, I, I was, uh, overtly loudly critical um you know on on night one of free agency uh, I, I thought that you know all the center shenanigans and all the stretching and, and all that was uh was nonsense and i was like why go get jeremy grant when you can just sign christian wood um for less you know like these these were things that i was like very um very much hanging my hat on as far as uh, criticisms that i was uh reluctant to let go of um but you know, I think as the season's gone on and as we have swiftly seen that next season cap space doesn't really mean anything because basically everybody good signed extensions. Um, you can kind of see the, it, I think that there's like sort of like a next level thinking that we aren't accustomed to as Pistons fans. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, when Stan Van Gundy was running things, uh, everything was very like see a hole and plug it. And, and, and uh, like everything was, uh, see one problem, fix that problem first and foremost. And, um, you know, I, I don't think that there was like a big overarching vision uh, with, with Van Gundy's um, administration, you know, like Kevin Love went out and torched the Pistons from three in the playoffs. And then he was like, I got to go get myself a Kevin Love. And that was John Lure. And <laughs> we know how that worked out. Um, and I don't think that there is that same kind of reactionary, um, like myopic, vision uh from weaver and i think that that is something that we like i said it's simply something that we're we're not accustomed to um you know the the idea that um the pistons could go out and sign seven centers on the net one of free agency and then by the time you know training camp opens centers and then the second week of the season they don't have enough centers and they're rolling out seku demboya in an overtime game after you know all their centers are gone um it's sort of like a it's a 
strange path that um, it, it doesn't, it didn't follow the, the typical uh, A to B to C that I think that um, we as Pistons fans are accustomed to and uh, think of grown expecting to see. Um, but, you know, I, I think that a lot of the moves and the chances that he's, the risks that uh, the Weaver's taken, um, you know, like the, the multi-part deal that ended up uh, getting them uh, Sadiq Bay, for example, I I would say that probably the Bruce Brown deal was probably part uh, part and parcel of that like larger transaction, which sort of explains away um, you know how how one sided the, the Brown deal was, and then um, the, the ultimate result of getting uh, Sadiq in in the transaction that sent uh, Bruce Brown both out of town. Um, you know, I, I think that um, you know. Sadiq Bay on a on a rookie contract is uh, very valuable, especially when we look at the kind of money that um, that Kennard got. Um, you know, I, I think that that a move like that worked out really well. I think that reaching uh, for Isaiah Stewart, which seemed uh, preposterous at the time, has worked out really well. Um, you know, time will tell on Killian Hayes, but I think that anybody in the seventh spot that needed a point guard would have picked Killian Hayes. So, um, and for that matter, he's he's also looked really good since he came back from his injury. Um, but yeah, I think that with, you know, with a few exceptions, I'm still kind of on the fence about Mason Plumley. although I've kind of gone back and forth on, on that a few times. Um, I think that um, the good far outweigh the bad uh, in, in his individual moves. Um, I think that the, uh, I think that what he was going for uh, has been accomplished to this point um, pretty well. We'll see how things age. But, um, you know, I think to this point, uh, I'm, I'm strongly in favor of, of his uh, administration so far, especially relative to, to, you know, night one of uh, the big decisions that he was making. The, Duncan, it's a, it's a great point about kind of Troy Weaver's foresight. Um, it's not something that I had thought about a whole lot, to be honest, until you just brought it up. But compared to, you know, the Stan Van Gundy years where we were going all in on Blake Griffin or, you know, I remember being on, I was heading to vacation up north and um, the the Langston Galloway signing, which they they overpaid Langston Galloway on on day one of free agency. And And I like Langston, but they outbid themselves on that one. Um... The, going back to the Joe Dumars years, you have the the Ben Gordon for Corey Maggette trade, where they gave up a first round pick, a lottery pick, to get one less year of guaranteed money. And now you look at what <clears throat> you look at what Troy Weaver's doing with the uh, the Dwayne Deadman deal. I don't know if people remember that or or kind of caught on to what happened there, but you know they traded. Dw- for Dwayne Dedman just to stretch him. And they did so because he had like a couple extra million dollars on um, his second year. So they could stretch him over five years rather than three years. So now it's like less than three million a year. The Corey Joseph for Delon Wright trade was kind of a nice bit of salary cap maneuvering where Corey Joseph has just a little bit of guaranteed money that they can easily just just waive him this offseason if they want to do that. 
Um, and and we'll, we'll talk about Corey Joseph uh, and just kind of what we think the roster will look like next year. But so there's definitely a lot more foresight in what Troy Weaver's doing, which is, which is nice. Um, one thing I did want to talk about, I guess the first thing from a more specific standpoint is the timeline. We've talked about it a little bit on this show. I tend to think that, you know, if they can get Cade or, or Jalen Green can be really good, um, a real number one creator. They have all of these two-way guys, these guys that play really hard, that are more role-player type guys that can fit in and maybe move down a position if they can get that that really good creator and, and be decent next year, actually, which I didn't think was going to be the case in this offseason. Um, so where are you at right now, Duncan, with the timeline as opposed to kind of what we thought maybe after the off season and all the moves that Troy Weaver did. Yeah, that is something that I have considered as well. Um, I, I, I think that some of the, um, some of the big wins that they've had have been like really encouraging as far as like how quickly they might be able to turn this around um, in the future without like really sacrificing Um anything as far as um, like their, their draft status, essentially, um, you know, like the, obviously the fact that they've lost a lot of games is a good thing, but also I think the fact that they've been able to, to beat some teams that they shouldn't have um, does kind of make me think that um, like the guys on this team, as they get more experience and, you know, they're, they perfect their, their professional craft at the NBA level. Um you know, if, if they're quick learners and things fall into place, um, you know, obviously everything has to shake out right. But I do think that there is the potential that, um, that maybe this is a team that can really bounce back, uh, you know, kind of like the the, uh, the Grizzlies did, you know, after they moved on from grit and grind, um, they just started hitting on every single draft pick. And I think that, the, you know, again, Killian, we'll see, but like, um, all the other draft picks uh, in the, the Weaver administration so far, um, I think have been pretty significant hits. And if, uh, you know, if they have sort of a linear progression and they get better and they get better steadily, um, they get better as a group. Um, you know, I think that that is something that can really uh, propel them uh, and without having to spend a lot of money on like uh, free agents and, and things like that. Um, you know, I think that there is definitely some, some hope and optimism that maybe, um, like this is a core that can be, um, you know, elemental in, in a, a quick rebuild. Cause like, obviously the most important thing is doing it right. Um, which is one of the reasons that like, while, you know, I'm not, not happy to say it, but basically like every, with the exception of like, you know, winnable games against the Brooklyn Nets when, um, when, when Blake Griffin is playing the heel, uh, like that, that's the game I wanted to win. But aside from that, like largely I'm, I just want them to lose all these games. So we can just get this over with, do it right. Um, you know, and you know, they haven't lost as many games as perhaps would be, uh, would be good to see them lose. But, um, like as we discussed before, I, I do think that they're doing things the right way in that regard. And that gives me, uh, that gives me a pretty significant amount of hope that they can, um, without mortgaging the future, you know, without like cashing in chips to like go out and get an eight seed again, as is tradition in Detroit. Um, it does give me hope that, uh, Maybe they can maybe they can get this right, you know. Obviously, winning the lottery and getting uh, Cade Cunningham would be would be really huge, and seeing him 
uh, pick up the NBA game um, swiftly would be uh, basically a necessity, you know, whether, whether it's Cade or, or Jalen Green or, or whoever else, um, obviously hitting that, that uh, hitting on that pick is, uh, is going to be essential as well. Um, yeah, I, I do feel some optimism that maybe this is a team that can be like back in the playoffs in a year or two. Um, and, you know, I would say even like a Grizzlies style uh, progression where, um, you know, they're, they're battling for an eight seed, but they're doing it with, Killian Hayes, Cade Cunningham, Sadiq Bey, and Isaiah Stewart, and Jeremy Grant, as opposed to like Blake Griffin, is is definitely the way you want to do it. Yes, and it's it's certainly going to be a whole lot easier in the East. The thing that I'm always struck by when I think about this is, you know, I kind of alluded to it earlier. You have a lot of guys like Jeremy Grant is ideally a second or third option. Sadiq Bey, at this point in his career, is probably more of a fourth or fifth option, where Jeremy is now a first option. Sadiq is at times a second or third option. So I, I think that all of, the, all of the Pistons really could benefit by just moving down a slot, a slot and a half, where they don't have to do as much offensively. They're, they're going to be able to focus more defensively. And they're just going to be in a better position to succeed on the offensive end. Um, another thing that the Pistons definitely need more consistently consistency in is shooting. Um, when when they make shots, they're actually a pretty competitive team. You know, they're certainly not a contender or anything like that. And and one of the criticisms of Troy Weaver has been he kind of ignores shooting for length and athleticism. I, I don't think that's necessarily fair. You know, he did draft Sadiq Bey in the first round. He, he signed Wayne Ellington. Um, where, where are you, Duncan, in terms of, you know, do you think that shooting is something that's maybe easier to, to fill in once you do have the core that you like? I think so. I, I would say, actually, that, um, yeah, I don't know that, aside from, like, you know, sort of an optimistic outcome for Jeremy Grant. I don't know that the Pistons think they have any stars on this team, like anybody who is going to be, um, you know, a, a legitimate all-star or um, like high, high level player. I think that a lot of these guys are like um, probably like their, their best outcome is like a, a high level role player, for example. Um, so, you know, I, I think that, um rather than like building a team that looks very much like the final product that Weaver wants, I think that, um, that what we see here is that he's really building like the, the foundations and the building blocks. Um, you know, like what he wants first and foremost is an athletic team that is uh, a, a pain to play against that makes you have to work hard that you will eventually beat, but it's not going to be any fun. Um, and uh, I think that by and large, that was probably like, you know, on the whiteboard in the office, like, um, you know, this, this is what we want for year one, year two, we will build more elements on top of this foundation that we've already laid with these rookies, uh, than with Jeremy Grant. So I, th I think that the fact that like, you know, there isn't a whole lot of shooting on this team right now, um, isn't really an indictment on, on the plan necessarily. I think that it's just like a future stage, um, in, in the building of this, uh, this new look organization. So, you know, I, I think that, um, we, we've definitely seen 
no immediate inclination to add a whole lot of shooting, but I don't think that that means that we're not going to be on the road. I, I think that really this is just uh, building a, a foundation of hardworking role players uh, to sort of shepherd in the next uh, next generation of um, Pistons, uh, hopefully stars. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, the, the team that always comes to mind when I think about this and and I think it's an instructive, no, it's not necessarily a one-to-one um, comparison because they've done it differently, but you look at Philadelphia and you know they filled in the, the top end talent early and have have kind of gone from there. They've they've been able to add some some shooting, which has helped a little bit. They still have some issues, I think, there. Um, but but getting guys like like Seth Curry and and Danny Green, and I, I think those are those guys are easier to fill in um, as you go. But uh, a lot of it is just going to come down to what what top end talent the the Pistons can get, and that's going to come down to. The lottery, uh, the lottery gods. So we'll we'll see how that plays out. Um, the next thing I wanted to talk about, just doing a little kind of quick exercise about what we might what we might see from this Pistons team moving um, forward next year. Uh, as I see it, I think there's seven guys that are that are on guaranteed contracts next year that are either locks or very likely to come back. Um, Killian Hayes, Josh Jackson, Sadiq Bay, Jeremy Grant, Mason Plumlee, Isaiah Stewart, and Sekou Dumbuya. Obviously, Troy Weaver likes to make moves, but um, do you think it's it's fair to say that those seven are, are likely to to be Pistons next year, Duncan? Pretty likely. Um, I think we'll see about Sekou. I, I don't know that he has a lot of trade value, um, which is probably like a, a good indicator that he won't be getting uh shipped out but i do wonder if if there is sort of like an overarching plan to um if and when the time becomes right to um sort of like start over with exclusively his guys um so i i don't you know foresee any uh forthcoming seiku trade but i do wonder if like um you know if if he kind of like rehabilitate some trade value going into the offseason. Um, I do wonder if maybe he's something less than a lock, maybe a likely to return. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit about Seiku, Duncan. Um, what are your thoughts on, on Seiku generally and maybe what he can turn into for the Pistons moving forward? Well, um, you know, it's, uh, I would like the, the concussions, the head injuries to stop for one thing. Um, it, it feels like every time I look at an injury report, there's uh Seku is questionable or probable <laughs> with a concussion or, or a head injury of some sort. Um, it does seem over the last few weeks as though, you know, as his playing time has increased, um, he has, you know, he's looked better and, you know, we can point to opportunity, uh, perhaps, uh, we can also point to um, the fact that he is playing better, earning it. So, you know, whether it's a chicken or the egg situation, really only Troy Weaver, or, well, Troy Weaver and, and Dwayne Casey probably are the only ones that know the answer to that question. Uh, Seiko as well, perhaps. Um, but, you know, I, I think that there has been a great deal of, um, you know, hand-wringing this season about Seiko and, um, you know, his uh, his his delayed development, perhaps we could call it. Um, but, 
you know, I, I think that if we kind of like take a look, a longer view of it, um, it shouldn't really be a surprise, you know, like he, we, we knew coming in when he got drafted that like this was going to be a multi-year project um, that we were a couple of years away from even having an idea, I think, of, um, you know, what, what kind of level he could really play at in the NBA. So, you know, I, I think that um, I, I would say that like my biggest doubts really about um, about Seku's future with the team really kind of stem from uh, an uncertainty as to like how uh, Weaver views him. Uh, you know, I, I think that if uh, Stefanski was still a GM or if Weaver had drafted Seku in the first place, I don't, I don't think there would be any question he would be, um, you know, sort of like a, not not a not a centerpiece or anything like that, but like a piece that the Pistons would like to go forward with. And I, I think that Seku is um, or could be kind of like a Weaver type guy. I think maybe the the engine's a little the motor runs a little slower than um, the the energy isn't quite the level um, that Weaver might like in like his his optimized guys. But um, I I think that. Um, like the youth is there and I think the potential is still there with, with Seku. And I think that, um, you know, while I wouldn't say that I, I think everything's going to be just fine for Seku. I think that it's certainly too early to say that things won't be. I, I think it's worth noting, you know, that Seku is kind of the last man standing from the previous regime. And we've seen Troy Weaver has no issue moving guys when he thinks that it's uh you know, he doesn't see them as part of the, the long-term futures. So um, that, that bodes well for, for Seku in, in part, I think. Um, moving on to the draft picks. The Pistons have four picks this year. I'm going to assume for the, the purposes of this exercise that two of them end up on the roster. You have, you know, they might not use all four of them. And, um, you know, they have two-way options as well. You, then you have three guys who are... are not fully guaranteed for next year, Rodney Magruder, Tyler Cook, and Corey Joseph. Uh, Duncan, do you see any of them, do you think any of them will be on the roster next year? Um, I think Corey Joseph was essentially traded for uh, to be waived, so I'd be really surprised if he was if he was back. I'd, I'd be astonished if he returned, actually. Um, uh, Magruder, I also think, won't be back. Um, I think the Pistons really like Cook, but I I think he's going to have to um, yeah I, I think he's going to have to earn a spot again probably in uh, training camp uh, next season. Uh, but I think that they would like to be able to bring him back as a sort of a death piece. Um, but yeah, I, I would say Joseph and Magruder are basically goners, would be my guess. I think that's a that's a fair assessment, Duncan. Um... You know, I, I don't know when Tyler Cook's guarantee kicks in. Um, you know, so we might see a, a, a training camp battle like we did with Christian Wood and Joe Johnson. That feels like 10 years ago, but it was, you know, really about a, a year and a half ago. Um, so we'll put Tyler Cook in the, the maybe column. Um, two other guys I don't expect to be back that are free agents, Dennis Smith Jr., and Wayne Ellington, um, Duncan, can you can you sell me on either of them returning to the Pistons next year? I cannot, not even a little. <laughs> yeah, I, I would love Wayne to be a Piston for life. Um, I I just love Wayne. I love watching him play. Um, but it's uh, I think it's safe to say it's time to move on. Um, 
So let's do that. Let's move on. We have, we've got three free agents that I think are um, more likely to return. Saban Lee, who I would definitely expect to be back. He's uh, a restricted free agent. Um, Hamadou Diallo is a restricted free agent. I would expect him to be back. And then what's turning into kind of remarkably a, uh, a bigger decision is Frank Jackson, who's unrestricted. He's clearly earned... Dwayne Casey's trust, he's pretty much playing every clutch minute the Pistons play. Um, so, so of those three, uh, Duncan, how many of them do you expect uh, to be back as a Piston next year? Uh, so we've got Hamadou Diallo, we've got uh, Saban Lee, and we've got Frank Jackson, right? Uh, I believe that the Pistons uh, indicated that um, – Diallo was essentially part of their future plans when they traded for him. I think that they plan on uh, retaining him. Um, I, I think that Saban Lee has shown too much uh, as a second round pick uh, to part with anytime soon. And uh, I think that if, if they don't bring Frank Jackson back, we, we probably riot. Um, so I think all three of those need to come back. <laughs> yeah. What, uh, what have your thoughts been about Frank Jackson thus far? Oh man, he's been a delight. Um, I he I'm going to bring up his game logs here because I feel like he got off to a pretty rough start in his first. Oh yeah, yeah, his first. Uh, yeah, he was he was playing point guard, which I think was part of the the issue. Right. Yeah. Yeah. His first eight games, he shot twenty three percent from the floor, um, and. Uh, Basically, since, uh, what, mid-March, he's played every game. Um, he's started four games. He's averaging 21 minutes per game. He's taking eight attempts per game. He's taking 48% from the floor, 42 42.7% from three, and he's averaging 11 points per game. Um, and, man, I, I would never have even uh, fathomed that he would be, like, a contributing part of the, the rotation getting minutes period when, when they signed him. Um, so to see him getting minutes, to see him filling the, the basket up, to see him uh, playing extremely confidently, like um, he has in his last six, his last seven games, he's had double digit field goal attempts. Um, like it, he has, he, I think he's shown everything and more that the Pistons could have asked of him. Um, so yeah, if, if they don't bring him back, I think that he's going to have a market um, in, in free agency. Yeah, and he is unrestricted, so the Pistons are going to have to pay him what he wants. Um, I would expect they'll probably be able to do that. I don't think that he's going to generate a, a ton of interest. Um, you know, Certainly people are paying attention, but um, you know, he means more, I think, to the Pistons right now than he does any other team. Um, and when you go on a run like this, it, it just kind of means more to, to the team you do it for, I think. Um, so that leaves us with, with three open spots with, with Tyler Cook pending still. Um, there are two other Pistons that are guaranteed next year, but because of their contracts are, are going to be easier to, to move or, or just flat out wave. And that's Jaleel Okafor and Davidas Servetus. Uh, so, Duncan, what are your thoughts? Do you, do you think either of those two will be Pistons next year? 
Um, I, I would be fairly surprised if either one returned. I'm trying to pull up their uh, salary numbers. Um, Okafor is 2.1 million next year. Um, Servetus is 1.5 million. Um, so yeah, it would be surprising um, if if they were brought back next season. Um, I, I think that it's fairly inexpensive and uh, simple to part with either or both. You know, it is part of some sort of trade, which I'm sure we're going to see plenty of trades next off season because that that is Troy Weaver's way. Um, or whether they just get simply waived, um, I would be fairly surprised to see uh, either of them return. I I agree. So so that still leaves us with with three spots. Um, and you kind of have free agency then. Um, you know, I don't know, Duncan, if you've kind of thought about who the Pistons could bring in in free agency, but maybe um, maybe just even talking about archetypes, guy, type of guys we, we would like to see the Pistons bring in. Do you have, have any thoughts on what you would like to see Troy Weaver do this, uh, this next offseason? Um. That's a good question. I I haven't really like written out my uh, my targets yet for them just yet. Um, I I think that I think that swinging for um, you know, obviously they're restricted by cap space and uh, there's only so much they can spend on you know any kind of big name type. Um, so I I think that it's the most interesting. Um, roster developments for the next season is going to be through the draft. You know, as we, as we discussed, they've got four picks next season. We'll see how many they end up actually making. We'll see if they, any of those get traded. Um, but, you know, I, I think that um, any kind of free agency moves will likely be like short-term or um, like non-guaranteed or team option type deals. Um and we'll, we'll probably be fairly minor. I, to me, I think that, um, you know, as we were talking about, like a, a quick bounce back into the realm of the playoffs um, for the Pistons, um, to me, I, I think that um, most of the interesting roster fluctuations are going to come in the form of uh, new additions via the draft um, and free agency. To me, I expect it will probably be a lot quieter this season. Uh, this coming season than uh, than this past off season was, but uh, the the free agent archetype slash goals list is something that I am going to have to formulate fairly soon. I, I just haven't had a chance to do it yet. Yes, well the 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 Pistons fans need some content, Duncan. So uh, we'll we'll look forward to that. Um, let me throw out one name. I I think I've thrown it out on the podcast before, um, but I want to get your thoughts, and that's Josh Richardson. Um, I, I've always kind of been a big Josh Richardson fan. He seemed to be making a, a leap in Miami. He's since certainly fallen off the map a bit, and so I think you might be able to get him kind of cheap. Um, he's a guy that I think could bring you a little more offense if you fixed him a little bit and he, he, got, he got going again. Um, what would your thoughts be on on? bringing in Josh Richards in this offseason. Yeah, I mean, price would be sort of the, the deciding factor, I would say, uh, at least for me. Um, yeah, I think that uh, at least 
uh, in this past offseason, Weaver has made it fairly evident that he's not cons- not that concerned about uh, price when it comes to getting um, players that he considers to be his quote, quote unquote his guys. Um, but yeah, I think that Richardson does have um, you know some of the the attributes that Weaver likes. The length is one thing in particular. His uh, I just pulled it up because I didn't have it offhand, but he does have a six ten wingspan and he stands six five. I actually thought he was younger than twenty eight. Um, or 27 going on 28 next season. Um, yeah, yeah, I would have thought more like 25, but I guess he was uh, he was an old rookie basically at 22, and uh, he's uh, he's been around longer than uh, than you might think. This is his sixth season, and uh, both of, both of those facts kind of uh, flummoxed me. I thought it may be like his fourth season, and he's like 25, but uh, silly me, I was wrong. <laughs> Yeah, I thought he was younger as well. Um, so maybe you're uh, you're talking me out of this a bit. Um, you know, I, I would expect Trey Weaver to go a little younger, maybe this off season than they did last off season with uh, with some some more veteran signings. Do you do you think that's fair? I think so. Um, they they largely found themselves signing uh, you know veterans like Wayne Ellington and uh, Delon Wright. Uh, Josh Jackson is obviously a young guy, but he's um, a young guy with some some veteran experience. Um, so yeah, I, I think that more youth than we saw this this, uh, this off season, as far as free agency goes, um, is probably where they're going to uh, where they're going to default to. That'd be my guess. Well, I, I think that covers everything I wanted to talk about in terms of the rebuild. Uh, was there anything uh, anything else that you wanted to cover? No, no, I think that covers the bases. Um, you know, the rebuild is basically all there's been to really talk about with this team for um, months and months now. You know, as you mentioned, like it's uh, when Killian Hayes isn't playing, it's it's kind of harder to tune in. Like I, I myself am usually watching Pistons games the day after rather than like in real time because you know, why watch in real time? <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, I think that uh, basically sums up my own thoughts on the rebuild. Okay. Well, the one thing I did want to talk about um, is the locker room show that you do. Uh, you do it three times a week, Mondays, Thursdays, and Saturdays. Um, and I think I just saw that they... Um, they just released a beta version for Android users. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah, I don't know if they are still um, taking taking more beta users, um, but uh, hopefully, like it, it's been a long time coming, and uh, I know that um, a lot of our uh, a lot of our Pistons Twitter guys are, are Android users, so it's going to be nice to have uh, guys like Hal and, and like Laz. Uh, getting on there and um, hopefully joining up on on my show, but probably also having their own shows and um, locker room is uh, is pretty cool. And that like if you want to just like hop on randomly and uh, make your own show out of you know at, at a moment's notice, uh, you certainly can. You definitely don't need like a pre scheduled show like I've got. Um, and uh, it it's it's a as I said, it's it's about time that we get uh, we get some Android um, service on there because uh, we're we're long overdue. 
So, Duncan, for those people who listening who, who aren't familiar with Locker Room, um, do you want to give them a, an idea of the concept and, and what you do on your show? Sure. Yeah. Um, Locker Room is, I, I suppose it's, uh, from what I've heard, it's fairly comparable to, uh, to Discord in a way. Um, it is essentially a, uh, a, a chat room, a voice chat. Um, generally speaking, it is, uh, you know, hosted by, a, by an individual person or a couple of people. Um, and it's the way that I generally do my shows is uh, pretty freewheeling. Some people, um, like, for example, uh, Ben Golliver has a show um, and uh, him and his co-host will um, they'll they'll take questions from the chat. Occasionally, they'll bring somebody up on stage to talk with them. Um, and uh, that's. That's how a lot of uh, a lot of hosts end up doing things. Uh, I I tend to just bring on um, not necessarily everybody who requests to speak because uh, that can that can get a little bit chaotic. But um, I I have a fairly um, regular group of guys that uh, that jump on, including uh, Keith Black on Twitter, KJ Doyle, uh, and uh, Ed Farrell, and uh, Pistons Twitter legend uh, Kuka Heel comes on, um, and it's uh, it's a really good group that I have found myself really enjoying. Looking forward to uh, to talking with um, you know three times a week. Uh, in in my my earliest days when I first started getting on there, um, it, it was a much smaller platform than it is now. So I would load up and I would have like you know a, a couple of talking points that I would be expecting to go over, and I wouldn't know if I was going to have you know, anybody in the room at all, if I was just going to be sitting there in silence waiting and hoping, or if, you know, I would get a couple people in chat and I would just be talking like one way to them. Um, I got really lucky that, uh, that, that Koo and that Keith uh, both very eagerly jumped on and uh, have basically been with me, um, you know, completely impromptu, but they've just basically been with me from the start. And they have made me like, uh, Keith in particular, who is just like right on there when he get when, uh, when two o'clock rolls, he's, uh, he's been um, a fantastic uh, aid to me and my uh, my mental well being when it comes to this project. Um, usually, we we talk Pistons or the NBA or you know um, whatever random stuff we uh, we come up with. It's fairly uh, free form for the first hour, and then after an hour, usually around three o'clock, um, we uh, we shift. And uh, Keith is something of a, a trivia genius. Um, and, uh, we basically throw the mic to Keith and he, uh, really puts us through the ringer with some, um, some tough, uh, trivia questions. And, um, usually, uh, usually somebody gets it after, you know, five, 10 minutes, if we're just battling, um, you know, somebody will end up, uh, getting weak and looking to basketball reference for some help. And, uh, yeah, it's it's really fun. It's a great way to wrap up uh, those shows. Usually, you know, originally the plan was to do those for an hour and um, you know wrap it after sixty minutes, but uh, they tend to go a whole lot closer to a hundred minutes and uh, ninety minutes um, these days. And uh, that's simply because um, you know, with with that particular group of guys, it's, uh, it's hard to cut things off any earlier because it's it's just a lot of fun. There's a lot of stuff to talk about. It, it really is a lot of fun. I, I highly recommend people check it out, especially Android users now. Um, I 
can't always check in um, if I'm busy, but I, I, I always try to, to catch Keith's trivia at the end. Um, he's he's a great follow on Twitter, Charlottian, I, I believe it is. Is that right? Laz pronounced it Charlottian. Um, it is basically the name Charlotte A-N. So C-H-A, it is at C-H-A-R-L-O-T-T-E-A-N. It would be easier if it was at Keith Black, but I'm sure that's already been taken. <laughs> yes, and, and he is, you know, if you're on Pistons Twitter, you've definitely seen um, him and, and Isaiah Thomas quote tweets him frequently now, it seems. Um, he uh, Keith posts kind of daily retrospectives of dif- different Pistons moments, different Pistons games. It's a, it's a lot of fun. Um, so Duncan, um, thanks again for, for being on. We, we really appreciate it. Um, can you tell, uh, tell everyone where they can, can follow you and uh, see your content? Sure. Um, all my content right now, other than, you know, other than my locker room stuff is found on hoopshabit.com uh, where I am the site expert, uh, covering the NBA as a whole, but um, the Pistons as sort of like a specific focus. I haven't really written much Pistons content in the last few weeks, but as the offseason nears, uh, you can you can certainly expect that to change, and uh, my focus is going to be cranking much more Pistons-focused uh, um, as, as this season uh, winds down. Um, and as far as Twitter, you can follow me on Twitter at DuncanSmithNBA. Yes, we've seen a lot of um, Raptors making the play-in tournament content. Well, here's the thing. I can, I can explain that. It's because so much awful shit has happened to the, to the Raptors this year that if there's ever a time for Adam Silver to make it up to them, it's in this draft. So I, I, know, that if, man, I know that if they find their way into the lottery, they're going to win this thing. So I don't want them in the lottery. I want them in the playoffs. That that's basically the gist of it. They called me out for this. Our Raptors Twitter called me out on this, and they were exactly right. Like I don't want them in the lottery because they will win it. Yeah, I'm I'm with you, Duncan. Um, so that uh, that does it for this show. Um, thanks everyone for listening. You can find me uh, at Way Matt H on Twitter, uh, and we will catch you next time.